remember BPI? Oh yeah, Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB. Yes, they are the ones doing all these cool things at convention. Guess what they're up to now? Do tell. Their own show. It's called Pride Connection. That's great, but what if I'm not a part of the LGBT community? This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies, and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. Everyone is welcome. So what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection? Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness to LGBT education, technology to advocacy. So when will Pride Connection take place? Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in so we can all connect and learn while having fun. Pride Connection on On ACB ACB Radio Radio Mainstream. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affect all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona, and we are celebrating all things Mother's Day today. In the background, I am very lucky to have Rick Morin, ACB radio guru, as my engineer today. Hey, Rick. Hey, Anthony, and congratulations on winning the J.P. Morgan Award. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I beat you to the punch on that one, didn't I, huh? You did. There's a line that comes from one of those Friends uh, episodes about stealing thunder. And you just like <laughs> <my> thunder. <laughs> but congratulations. No, it's well-deserved. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, I did want to say um, to all the people that have reached out, sent me messages and, and put postings and all that kind of stuff. I am humbled. I am honored. And thank you. Thank you so very much. Um, I can't wait to uh, to actually get the the podium at convention and be able to, uh, you know, lay out what I think is um, my path for the future. But that's a long way away, and we're here to celebrate mothers. I've got some great people on with us today. Um, so we're going to start with a couple of testimonials, and one of my one of my very 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 good friends um i actually she's going to read the testimonials but i kind of tricked her to get on here because i want to celebrate mothers of all kinds and holly was the first human mother from my guide dog bodie um she was one of the uh one of the team her and eric were the puppy raisers for bodie and they're amazing amazing people so holly is now um in the fifth dog right Jackson is the fifth one you're raising? Jackson is our fifth dog. So Holly's got five furry, very successful furry matches out there. Um, Two Nancys, myself. um, The Baltimore dog is soon to be placed. And now you've got Jackson. So thank you. Thank you. And happy furry Mother's Day to you, Holly. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. 
<laughs> so what, um, let's just, just for a moment, why don't we tell the folks, what is it like um, the day you get that puppy and then the day that you have to turn that puppy back in? Uh, they're both very, very emotional days. The day we get the puppy is so full of excitement and wonder, and he's the cutest thing in the world. And, you know, it takes away a little bit of the pain of giving up the last dog to go in for formal training. And then the day we drop this new little puppy off again, you know, we allow ourselves some time to like be emotional and say goodbye and wish him the best and hope that we can become as good of friends as we are with you, with everyone who benefits from having one of the puppies from the Guide Dog Foundation, so. Awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on. And, and again, happy, happy Mother's Day. You have given, you know, you are part of the best gift that's ever, ever happened in my life, my Mr. Bodie. Um, I asked you to read out some testimonials that were sent in. I asked for people that if they couldn't join the show, if they wanted to celebrate their mom. Um, and the first one though is, I wanna celebrate moms of all ilks. And one of my very, very close friends, um, an amazing woman, I wrote my own testimonial and that's uh, my best friend, Heather. So Holly, if you could take it away and read that one. Absolutely. So this is from Anthony, a Mother's Day portrait in courage and love. There are many different kinds of mothers in our world from biological or foster to the furry baby moms to the amazing woman who take others under their wings to fill in gaps that their families may leave. My own mother is a complex woman who doesn't make it easy to celebrate this amazing gift that is motherhood. Then she raised me to believe in love in all its many ways and forms. Then there are those mothers who have to do the job of both mother and father. And I wanna tell you about one of these amazing mothers. My friend Heather is a single mom of two incredible girls. Heather lost her husband a bunch of years ago and has had to be both mother and father to her girls ever since. Heather and I met the first day of high school during homeroom and a lifelong friendship began. In the beginning, it was more bickering kind of friendship due to the loud and very direct nature of our personalities. We bickered just as much as we found commonality, but under it all, a deep and encompassing respect was born and flourished. A few years after losing her husband, Heather packed up her girls and headed to Florida in search of a better life for her family. Now, after making the big move myself, I cannot fathom the courage it took for her to leave everything she knew to make that enormous change. She had no real time to grieve with two tiny girls who depended on her for everything. She had to just keep living, moving and making a life for her family that her girls could be proud of. Having the privilege of spending time with her and her girls, I can say without a doubt, she is doing an amazing job as mom plus. The girls are intelligent, compassionate and so well-grounded. This is a credit to the love their mother has for them. She would step in front of a fast moving bus to protect them. She's the most involved energetic mother I know. I am so proud to call her my friend. No matter what obstacle or situation life has handed her, Heather has not only endured, but triumphed. I cannot imagine what it must feel like to be the only one responsible for two amazing kids. To be the only parent to have to face it all with only the memory of love of her husband to sustain her through the rough times. She is strong and still so very compassionate, taking the harsh things life has thrown in her and turn them into lessons that only add to her toolbox of parenting. This Mother's Day, I celebrate my friend and all the single mothers out there who keep their families going. In a year that has had so many challenges, my friend Heather inspires me to dig deep down from my own courage, compassion, and strength. 
Thank you. Heather, I know you're out there listening. I just love you, love you, love you. Girls, you know how much I love your mom and you know how much I love you. So happy Mother's Day. Take your mom out to lunch. <laughs> um, we have two other, um, two other testimonials and then a special article that we're gonna, that we're gonna highlight on. So Susan and uh, Melody, Holly is gonna read your testimonials to your moms. Holly, thank you so much and take away with the first one. My pleasure. This is from Susan Thompson. She says, hello everyone. My mom is truly amazing. To most people, she probably seems pretty ordinary, but at age 32, she became pregnant with her second child after nearly losing her first child's life giving birth. Six weeks later, in the midst of an epidemic, contracted the virus, but was asymptomatic. She eventually gave birth to a seemingly fragile and sickly child who she was told by the look of those eyes, there's no way she can see. She had all the hallmarks of congenital rubella syndrome. She then realized that at six weeks pregnant, she had been in contact with somebody who had this virus, which had been connected with birth defects by the Australian doctor in the late 40s. Then she spent 25 years ensuring that the child, which was me, had the best education I could, was independent, happy, and financially secure. She dealt with the grief of giving birth to what she thought to be a totally blind daughter. Once it was realized I had some vision, she taught me to read print and fully supported my learning braille by learning it with me as well. But in the midst of it all, she had to do the grief all over again while watching me deal with my own grief at the inevitable loss of all my vision from an accident as a teenager. Despite it all, I grew up to be independent, employed, happy, and internally grateful for the strength of my mom. I sat in my two bedroom home until unit in Sydney Harbor in March last year during the first Australia-wide lockdown, wondering if I would keep my job while feeling a sense of overwhelming gratitude that my mom in partnership with my dad had wanted all three children to have a roof over their heads. And now mom is 92 and can be honored for a life as a great mom, compassionate nurse, supportive wife, now widow, and a good friend to many. Regards, Susan Thompson. Wow. Susan, thank you so much for sending that. And what a testimonial it is to the American Council of the Blind that we have people sending in all the way across the world from Australia. We've got so many members around the world and it's a beautiful thing that our reach is out there like that. Holly, let's hear from Melody. Melanie Holloway, this is her testimonial. My mother was told she would most likely never conceive a child. After the unexpected loss of a baby in 1981, she was again told it would be nearly impossible to become pregnant. In 1985, she defied those odds. I was due December 3rd. However, I suppose I had other ideas. Following advice of a coworker along with her OBGYN, my parents went to the hospital in obvious distress. On September 10th, my mom was informed she was a half hour away from having a stroke. She had toxemia, same as preeclampsia. I was taken by emergency cesarean and born at 11.10 p.m. Congenital rhino, not, <laughs> I apologize. Congenital okay. retinopathy of prematurity is a common eye condition among the visually impaired community. The oxygen used to save our lives also detaches our retina. I weighed two pounds measuring 14 inches. My parents were devastated and terrified. How would they raise a totally blind baby girl by themselves? My mother and I were in bad shape. My mom was able to hold me and provide vital skin-to-skin -skin contact all babies need to survive and thrive while I was hooked to IVs, machines, and an incubator. 
Over the years, my poor dear mama sacrificed more than anyone can understand. She devoted her life to my care and protection. My parents held me back more than necessary and are now reaping the repercussions. My mom was always good at letting me touch things and explore my environment with my other four senses. Now that I am 35, living with chronic psychiatric and medical conditions, which proved to be more debilitating than some may think, my mother and I often find ourselves at odds with one another. I can tell she desperately wants to understand my sexuality, my often disorganized irrational mind, my personal traumas, both past and ongoing. It is tough for a mom to believe that her only surviving child's plight has been much more complicated, painful, and beautiful than first thought. She had difficulty with the removals of my eyes because she created them. I was fine because I had no use for them. I still desperately want to be held close to my lovely mama and feel her gentle hands, long, beautiful hair, and hear her heartbeat. I also have a strong desire to find my own purpose in life. My mom still maintains she wishes she could have carried me full term, so I would at least have sight. She believes she caused me premature delivery. Of course, it was nobody's fault. Happy Mother's Day, heart-shaped tiny bit. Thank you for giving me the best chance at life you could with what you knew. Aww. Thank you for that as well. That's beautiful. I hope you and your mom are listening and hugging each other right now. In a few minutes, I will have the pleasure of speaking with Deborah Kendrick, and she sent a beautiful article that Holly is going to read the opening and two highlighted passages, and I will place a link to the full article in the show notes so you all can enjoy Deborah's beautiful words. Holly? From Deborah Kendrick, can girls with impaired vision be mommies? When I was a little girl, I loved nothing more than my dolls, tall dolls, short dolls, baby dolls, and fashion dolls. But my favorite doll was Tiny Tears, who smelled like a new shower curtain, could really drink from her baby bottle, and whose wet diaper needed changing. I wrapped her in a blanket, cut scraps of cloth to make extra t-shirts, and took her everywhere with me. Even at the age of seven, I knew I was practicing to be a mother someday. And I can't remember a time when that plan was anything less than a certainty. When I was eight, my baby brother was born and I got a lot of practice on a real live model. As a young teenager, I babysat for my brothers and cousins. I never heard anyone wonder if I could do the job. No one ever told me there was any reason I couldn't grow up to be a mommy. No one in fact ever told me that I couldn't grow up to be just about anything in the world I dreamed of being. The first time anyone ever raised a question of whether I, who had been blind since age five, could have and raise children was when I was 26. I had three advanced degrees, three years of teaching to my credit. I had lived on my own, first single, then married since 21. Now I hear I sat in the hospital with a pink blanketed bundle in my arms, awestruck, wondering what I would do next. I wanted some hands-on instruction in diapering. I told a nurse who was going off duty and when her replacement came in, the experience was brutal. She pushed my hands away gruffly and impatiently saying she could do it better. I felt inadequate and embarrassed. This episode shook my confidence in my ability to cope with the incredible responsibility of being a mother. Of course, within hours, I learned the nurse's ignorance about blindness was the problem, not my ability to fasten a baby's diaper. I would also learn that the attitudes of other would continue to be the most significant problem unique to my ability to parent with impaired vision. Today, I also realized that the feelings I experienced 
holding the precious package that was my first born daughter with the same one shared by mothers around the world is a temporary terror that we are not somehow up to the task before us. We are, I was. And so is every little child blind or sighted who wants to be a parent. Holly, thank you. There is a lot more to that beautiful article. And like I said, it will be in the show notes and I will post it to the conversation list with uh, a little recap of today's show. Holly, what are you and Jackson and Eric gonna do today to celebrate uh, Furry Mama's Day? Even though it's a little chilly outside, we're gonna go outside and light the fire pit and all cuddle up together and just enjoy being out in the beautiful outdoors that is Maryland in May. Well, again, thank you for the beautiful gift that you continue to give me in the form of Bodhi. Thank you for coming on with your beautiful voice and highlighting the testimonials. Happy, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. <laughs> well, before I get to Deborah, um, one of one of my favorite people, my uh, Florida Council of the Blind president um, and good friend, Sheila Young. Happy Mother's Day, Sheila. Oh, Sheila. You should know where that mute button is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect you to call on me. <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. It is a pleasure to wish all of my friends and members a very blessed and happy Mother's Day. And um, thank you for doing a tribute to all of the mothers out there. So thank you. Absolutely. Congratulations on such a successful hybrid, the first. Um, Florida was the first virtual. Florida was the first hybrid. Congratulations <laughs> on such a successful convention. Oh, thank you. That's, a, that's another show. <laughs> we could not have done it without everybody's help. Rick and Debbie and, and Katie and the whole convention crew and everybody. I, I just can't even can't even begin, Mikey Wiseman, can't even begin to thank everybody, so. <laughs> well, we'll come back on Sunday edition and talk about it in a week or two. What do you have going on for Mother's Day? My son and daughter-in-law and my two grandbabies are coming and they're gonna take me for lunch somewhere. So I don't know, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm along for the ride, I don't know. So, but, well, so happy... I will listen until they get here and thanks so much for doing this, Anthony. Thank you, happy, happy Mother's Day, Sheila. Thank you. Well, now I have the absolute pleasure to uh, speak with the keynote speaker from that Florida Council of the Blind Hybrid Convention, um, a lady who I have seen on the various lists and heard on various other shows who I couldn't wait to get the opportunity to know. So Jim, if you are out there, thank you for setting up a lunch where I could get to know Deborah Kendrick um, and so blessed, she also had one of her children, her daughter, Melinda, who is a fabulous mother herself. Uh, I don't know if Melinda was going to join us or not, but Deborah, welcome to Sunday Edition. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. And, uh, you know, that feeling was mutual. I couldn't wait to get to know you as well. So I jumped with Gooey when Jim told me who he had invited to the lunch. Um, so Melinda is not here. She's having a bad reaction to her second Moderna, as I did as well a month ago. So if her experience parallels mine, she'll be back up and running in a day or so. But um, 
I hope she's listening on the radio. I spoke with my other daughter earlier when she called to wish me a happy Mother's Day from Cincinnati, and uh, I, I encouraged her to, to come in on the Zoom link, but I don't see her in the list. I, I, I wanted to, um, to just share one funny little thing that popped into my head, though, when you were welcoming Holly initially, and, and you said there are all kinds of moms and that she's a furry mom. And I, by the way, uh, have had eight guide dogs. And God bless. So, <laughs> so I, too, thank all of those wonderful people who make our dogs the people that they are. And I meant to say people on purpose because we all know that our dogs are people. Um, my, my last one, incidentally, I only had for four weeks and the one before that only a couple of years. So I've had some really bad luck with guide dogs, but I look forward to having another. But um, when you talked about different kinds of moms, I had this flashback to when my youngest, Caitlin, was about four. We were in church on Mother's Day, and the priest was saying, Happy Mother's Day to all mothers, to uh, to mothers and grandmothers and adopted mothers and surrogate mothers and den mothers. And Caitlin blurted out, and blind mothers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I wanted to crawl under the pew. I was so embarrassed. But, you know, from a four-year-old's point of view, he was leaving not an important person on the list. So, anyway, uh, yeah. So, thanks for having me here, Anthony. This is very sweet. Thanks for joining me. And so, you said two daughters, but um, there's another one, yes? Yeah, I, I have a son as well, who is a uh, crazy computer programmer. He got his start in the um, in the in the blindness biz. He doesn't work in the blindness biz now, but he did write for uh, write code for one of the what's now Duxbury. Um, and it was raised dot computing when he was working with them. But um, yeah, so there you have it. There's my family. So I want to, I definitely want to thank you for sharing your beautiful article, not only with me, but with all of our listeners and, and they will be able to follow the link for the full article. What, um, what can you tell us about the time, you know, the time period before you gave birth the first time? What kind of things went through your minds knowing that, you know, you, for the next at least 18 years, we're going to be responsible for, for this little life? You know, it's it's kind of the way I laid it out in that article. I I really always anticipated being a parent, and I never questioned that there. You know, I've I've often kind of one one of my really uh, close friends, Deborah Kent Stein, who is also blind and also a writer. When I was in my twenties and had and was just beginning to publish. I read some articles that Debbie wrote and, and a book that she wrote, a young adult novel. And um, I wanted to know her because she was doing what I wanted to do. And the irony is that shortly after I was having those thoughts, she was married and wanted to have a baby. And people told her to write to me that I knew all about that, about having 
being a blind parent. So I've, and then what ensued was a beautiful friendship and we've been friends for decades now. And, and the first 10 or 15 years, we wrote these long, 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 wonderful braille letters. It was really fun. Uh, back in the day when people wrote paper letters, you know, uh, <laughs> and, um, but the, the point is, I've always said, you know, Debbie was so much smarter than I was because she was doing research before having a baby and how do you do things and how do you get the job done? It never occurred to me. And, and, you know, I, but as I say later in, in the article that Holly read from, I learned the way all parents learn. I learned by necessity. I, we did not have any relatives within hundreds of miles of where we were living. And so I didn't have a sister, a mother, a mother-in-law to come in and tell me I was doing things wrong, which I think was a blessing. I think it was, it was a blessing that I was on my own and I had to figure it out. And, and I did. And, um, and, I, and I think, you know, that's what all new parents do, blind or sighted. And I think it's the best thing that you can do. Um, it, my, my daughter, my uh, youngest daughter is pregnant with her second child right now. And we were talking about maternity leave and, and how in, in my era, the men did not get any leave. So I didn't have any, any help. You know, he got time off to be at the hospital with me and uh, to come and pick me up and drive me home. And, and that was it. But today, it's, most companies give both parents leave. And, and that's really wonderful because it gives them time to, to get to know that baby. But, uh, you know, there, there were, I think the easy part of parenting, and I know Sheila and any other parents who've done the job would, would back me up here, the easy part is babies. You put a baby down, it's not going to go anywhere, you know? It's where you left it. And <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Except for when they start crawling. I mean, I still remember the, the terror the first time Melinda just popped up and crawled away from me. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, oh, where'd she go? Um, but, you know, then you put bells on their shoes, and now they have shoes that squeak and talk and all kinds of cool things they didn't have when my kids were babies but the hard part is is when they're when they're teenagers you know when they're when they're full-blown people uh so and there too you just you learn as, as you go but um yeah i think it's it's uh one of the, it's the most rewarding thing i've ever done is raising children and even interacting with other people's children. I'm, I'm talking to Melinda's uh, Cub Scout troop this week. Uh, they she wants to do a session on disability. And I'm so looking forward to it because it's, I used to do lots of presentations. I just love children. They're so wise. They're so wise. Yeah. So let me ask you, what what was the most surprising thing about motherhood and maybe secondary under that, what was something about motherhood and blindness that surprised you? I don't think I was prepared for the unkindness of other people. Mm. Uh, so, 
there were lots and lots of examples, but the ignorance of sighted people, there, um, when Melinda was, I think maybe four, um, I took her on a mommy daughter shopping thing one day and we went, we went on the bus with a long bus ride downtown and we went out to breakfast and, you know, I mean, she was in a booster seat for Pete's sake. And so here, here I am with my kid in the booster seat and I ordered coffee and the waitress brought the coffee pot to the table and said, now, honey, when mommy needs more coffee, you you give it to her. And Melinda said, I'm only four. I can't pour coffee yet. <laughs> 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 Which was pretty funny. But, you know, there were so many instances like that um, where people would ask my children questions in, in a, a public context. Or once we were standing in line for a, some sort of Halloween event, and I had spent hours making her witch costume and she started fussing because the hat wasn't sitting upright and I, I took it and I was fiddling with the hat and this woman in front of me in the line said oh oh what that is that's your daughter's witch's hat and it, it needs adjusting and I'm thinking yeah I know I made it I think I know what it is but you know, there were instances like that over the years, and it was just not something that I had been prepared for or thought about. Um, you know, on the other hand, you know, there were there were lots of wonderful moments once uh, teachers and parents, I made it a point, I, I guess I would pass this on to any parent who's blind, who's young. I figured out by the time my oldest one was in all-day school that the best defense was to offer to come in and make a presentation. And I, I made presentations frequently at school about blindness and Braille and guide dogs and, uh, and always finished by reading a story. Because the cool thing about reading a story to young children is without fail, None of them ever bother to notice or care that you're reading from a Braille book because a story is a story. The adults mm. might might draw attention to, you know, the mommy who reads with her hands, but the kids could care less. A story is a story, and uh, so so that that was certainly uh, stands out more than anything else is the periodic unkindness stupidity of, of, of others that would sort of sort of you know put a little damper on something beautiful that was happening between me and one or all of my children in terms of hard things I don't know you know it's a series of puzzles and those of us who are blind we know how to solve puzzles that's what we do every day yeah. we solve puzzles and if you're good at being blind, you're good at puzzles. So that's what raising children was, you know, like how am I gonna how am I gonna let them play outside and be safe? Well, have a fenced yard, have your own swing set and teach them like I used to say everything I knew about raising children I learned at dog school because 
if I was in the kitchen and they were out in the backyard and I called them, they knew to respond <clears throat> immediately, here I am, and come running. And and if they didn't, then bad things happen, like they couldn't go back outside. So <laughs> it's like you do with, with your dog, you know, in the food reward. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I, I don't remember feeling like anything was insurmountable. Well, that's beautiful. Um, my, wow. <laughs> let me let me ask you, you know, you've transitioned now and there are a couple of grandchildren. What is it what is it like when you hit that stage and now you're watching your baby give birth and, and raise babies? It's amazing. It's wonderful. And there are more than a couple. Melinda has four of them. Um and uh, she has a boy and then a girl who you met. You met Evelyn. And then yes. twins. There's twins who are four. They're boys. And then Caitlin has a boy and is due to have a sibling for that boy on his birthday. So we, that'll be interesting in September. Um, wow. we, don't, we don't know if that's going to be yet another boy or a girl. Evelyn is hoping for a girl. I am too. <laughs> um, but but uh it's it's very different you know you hear lots of grandparents saying how much easier it is to be a grandparent and that's that's for sure because you you know it doesn't really matter what the rules are because when they're with me we have we have our own rules I, i would say the only thing that um that is different is that when you're the parent and you're the adult who's with your kids 24-7, they learn by instinct to be vocal and, and tactile. Now, my grandchildren all, except one of the twins, all of my grandchildren have pretty much immediately learned. If you want to show me something, put it in my hand. But they haven't been alone with me in public enough to know that that they have to you know make noise or make contact so I know where they are and so we were talking about that a little bit last weekend with Evelyn and you know but but they pick up so quickly like you know I, I just said to her you have to keep talking to me when we're walking you know through a large public space because I need to know where you are and 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 so they do but but that's but it's so much fun just to, oh, I don't know, just just to to be with them, to learn with them, to bake with them, and do play games with them, and and watch movies with them, and see things through their eyes. And and again, children are so wise. I love being in the presence of children. They're just they're so wise and and profound. My my oldest grandson just turned ten a few months ago and he um he's been writing poetry and he's just an amazing and his his mommy keeps sharing the poems with me and he thinks they're nothing but they're fabulous so the next time i have him over for a sleepover i've decided we're going to write a song together so we'll see how that goes (laughs) 
So what would you say to all the women, the young women out there who are contemplating whether or not this is for them? Mm. Well, uh, get ready. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, it it is decidedly a lot of work um, and a lot of responsibility and more joy probably than anything else you'll ever do. Um, and I think, uh, you know, when I was when I was raising my children, we didn't have the kinds of resources in terms of connectivity that we have today with, um, you know, we, well, I mean, we had computers and the internet, but, but things just weren't as, together as they are now. So, I mean, I was in a, when, when Melinda was really young, I was in a cassette club that was a newsletter that this blind couple did on cassettes. It was really cool. And people would send in their comments, their questions, their tips they'd learned, products that they'd discovered. And then this couple would put them all, you know, edit them and, and compile a tape and then send the tape out to everybody. It was it was really fun. So it was kind of like elongated Zoom. You know, it's kind of like what you do on a Zoom call today, but yeah. came from all over and through the mail and they compiled it all into one tape and, and sent that out. So, but I would say today, first and foremost, reach out to others because you learn so much from one another. I mean, I remember just pouncing on those tapes when they came in the mail because it was so fun to learn from others and to hear how other people's kids were doing. And, you know, so that first and foremost, and, um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of resources online and a lot of products too. So the more people you talk to who have been there, done that, and I'll just, you know, put myself out there. I, I think I I told you the other day that um, I wrote a column for Dialogue Magazine on parenting from 1985 to 1999. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know where all that stuff is, but um, for all I know, some of it's online. I I don't know, but at any rate, um, I'm available to anybody who wants to talk about techniques or procedures or attitudes. Frequently what I wrote about in that column, I wrote about pop products and ways that I figured out to do things. But I also um, wrote about attitudes and how you know the, the whole thing to be ahead of of parents being unkind to you, for example, is by getting getting there first. So sign up for the PTA, sign up to be a Girl Scout or Boy Scout leader, um, you know, sign up to work at the preschool because that's, if you're there proactively out there saying, here I am, this is what I do, this is how I do it, then the parents, the parents know you and they want to know you and they want their children to hang out with your children. Nice. 
So as I, you know, as I said a little bit earlier, um, I had the privilege of, of dining with you and Melinda and, and Evie. Um, a credit to to your parenting style. Um, I can imagine Caitlin and, and your son are amazing people too. But Melinda, um, brash and beautiful, and and you know, speaks her mind with such conviction. And the way you know, the two of you, and, and by extension, also the three of you. The, the relationship was just, it was so beautiful to be around and fluid. And so credit to you as a mom, credit to Melinda as a mom. Thank you for, for coming to Sunday Edition. If, um, if folks out there want a sample of your writing beyond the article that we're going to post in the show notes, where can they go? Well, in order to find that article myself, I Googled myself and then the phrase, can blind girls be mommies? Um, but uh, let's see. Well, I um, the ongoing uh, possibility is Access World. I uh, created a magazine that was called Tactic that morphed into Access World 20 years ago and uh, continue to be senior features editor. So I write for almost every issue. And by the way, in, in the next issue, there'll be an article about Jim Crutt, who I think you rather know. <laughs> um, I do. But I, I do a series. I, I write about um, uh, technology, products, and companies, and software and hardware and blah blah blah. And I write. I for a couple years, I've been writing this series that I launched called Employment Matters, where I profile individuals who are doing interesting jobs. And that's, Jim is, is my employment matters person for, uh, for I think it'll be in the May, the May issue. So that's one place, and that is afb.org slash aw for Access World. Another place is in, in 2020, I published two books with National Braille Press. One is called um, Navigating Healthcare When All They Can See Is That You Can't. And mm. it's, 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 it's an advocacy book. It comes from my own um, medical experience, but it's basically how to, how to deal with uh, all the medical professions in all the different kinds of environments when you know, you're there for a broken arm or an asthma attack and they want to know how much you can see. So, uh, so there's that. And then the other book published uh, last summer by National Braille Press is called When Your Ears Can't Help You See. And it is on um, uh, strategies for dealing with combined vision and hearing loss. Um, so it too is kind of, both of them are, are they're, advocacy books, how to help yourself, how to navigate these situations of dual sensory loss or medical environments and continue to be yourself and to be happy and find joy and, and you know, get what you need. So, um, and those are available in Braille and in print and in several downloadable formats. So anybody can read them any way you please, and you get them from National Braille Press, which is nbp.org, and the phone number is 
All right. Um, so I know that Melinda and Caitlin are trying to listen in with them and any uh, to them and any other Mother's Day shout outs you'd like to give. Happy Mother's Day to everyone who's listening who is a mommy. And, you know, sometimes your kids will do wonderful, amazing things and make you feel special. And if they do, hooray for them and celebrate them. And if they don't, I celebrate you. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Deborah, promise me you will come back in the next couple of weeks and let's talk about the magazine and the books more in depth. I would love to. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. Everyone, Deborah Kendrick, and you will be able to listen to her keynote speech in podcast form very soon. Rick, I know it should uh, it should be available pretty soon, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got a hand up. I don't know if you want to. Uh, sure. To, who is it? It's Karen Blackowitz. Oh, that was my next guest. So awesome. Oh, okay. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Deborah. Um, I will speak to you very soon. Love you much. All right. Thank you. Ditto. All right. Before I introduce Karen Blackowitz, I just want to remind everyone that you can find the Zoom information. If you want to call in, we're going to do some testimonials from Collins about their mothers or amazing women in their lives. Um, so please find that information on the discuss list, on the conversation list, or on our Facebook community page. Karen, Karen, Karen from New York, welcome to Sunday. Welcome back to Sunday edition. Thank you. Um, I'm privileged that I was able to make it. I am so glad. I know you had a busy day. You had to go into work for a while. So let me first and foremost say happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Thank you. What's, what's on the menu for you today? Besides I, have working? No, I, I have no idea. I haven't been told yet. <laughs> so I want to um, I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, you were on Sunday edition a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about education and advocacy. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you're a warrior. You're a fierce warrior mom. So can you tell us a little bit about advocating as a blind mother and advocating for a visually impaired child? I mean, from being blind myself, I, I don't know that it's any different than any other struggles that all mothers or parents have with children with IEPs or disabilities. Um, getting material sent to me in an accessible format, I, you know, it's a crapshoot, 50-50. Um, generally speaking, um, as my kids were growing up, if I'd say one, now this is once technology was put in place, because for those who don't know, I have two sets of children. I have older children and I have younger children. Um, when the first set was going through school, they're now 36 and 34. Oh, and uh, yeah, they were, <laughs> they were acquired through my first marriage and I had adopted them when they were like three and five. Um, there was no technology. So anything sent home had to be read by their dad um, or once they got old enough they would read it to me once the second group of kids came which are now 19 and 17 my baby is 17 um, technology was more available 
So I could tell them, hey, um, you know, my screen reader won't read a PDF. I really need you to convert that and send it to me in a Word document. I would really say the district that we were part of at the beginning was pretty accommodating. Um, they didn't really have to do that because I'm not the student. I just happened to be a blind parent of a blind student and, and my other uh, daughter who was not blind. Um, but they, they were reasonable. Now some, some districts are great and some aren't, but advocacy begins with knowing what your needs are and how to tell whoever you're speaking with what you need as a parent. For the children, I don't know, you know, you go through, you come up with the IEP with the school district, you make sure everybody's doing their job, you stay on top of things. And I think that's the biggest key in being a parent of a child with a disability, blind or whatever. Um, you gotta stay involved. Day-to-day -day contact with teachers, with aides, with, with people that are there to educate your kids. So you have a very unique family, which is which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, three and five, you, you went for adoption. Back in those days, what's some what's something that you wish somebody would have told you that you had to learn for yourself? When you adopt children that had, uh, you know, they had a biological mother. It just wasn't a safe environment for for the children. Um, the, the first, the first set of kids, I think if somebody would have just told me, take a step back sometimes, take a deep breath and learn how to be a little bit more patient, um, because temper tantrum, and it was transition. It, we mm -hmm. all know children that come from challenging backgrounds, you know, there's some behavioral issues and stuff. And, uh, I, I think if somebody had told me, just take a step back sometimes, walk away from a situation, I, I would have appreciate, appreciated that. By the time the second, my biological children came along, I had so much more patience. And you knew, if a child's throwing a temper tantrum, walk away for a minute, because that's what they want is the attention. I didn't really know that the first time around. What's the greatest joy for you? You know, my adult daughters are doing fantastic. They're married, they have children. Um, any, any little success your children have is a success of the parent. Absolutely. Um, it's uh, the only one of my children that is visually impaired is my son, who's 17. Again, my baby, my six foot two baby. Um, <laughs> And he's going to be, he's finishing up his junior year. He's going into his senior year. And, you know, looking at all the um, possibilities of different colleges and what he's going to do, you know, it's exciting for me. Um, when my older daughters had their children, you know, I got, I was in the room for the birth of my first granddaughter. And it was just an amazing experience seeing somebody you've raised and nurture know that they're going to pass it on to their children. I am going to ask an, an interesting question. Um, and please feel free to tell me, you know, there's no answer or you don't want to answer. But when you have a child 
you know, with a visual impairment or, or another special need, it often takes up more parental time from the other children. How did you balance that? Was, was that much of an issue for you, you know, in the early years or, or even now? I don't, I don't believe it did. All children are special in their own way. All children have different needs, whether they're sighted, blind, other disabilities. So I, I don't feel my son took more of my time than the others. They, they all had their issues. They all had their, their good points. They all had their issues they needed to work on. They all needed their specialized time with mommy. That's awesome. So I'm gonna ask you the same thing I asked Deborah. the two younger women out there who are contemplating whether or not this is gonna be the right choice for them. What advice would you give? I think being blind or sighted motherhood is a scary um, thing to be looking at, especially with the world we're living in now. It comes natural. I, I'm totally blind for those people that are listening. Um, it, being a mom comes natural. If, if it's something you're meant to do, then do it. Don't let the blindness hold you back. Fully sighted women go into pregnancy and go into childbirth and then the infant stays stage scared. We're not feeling anything different than any other mom-to-be is feeling. We learn how to do things as we go along. I think the woman before me said, it's kind of like a puzzle. Sometimes it is, um, but you figure it out. My 19-year-old my was born premature and she had feeding issues uh, when she was an infant up until, about three, up until about three years old. And you figure it out between special bottles and special spoons and just, identifying where her mouth was you you can do it there's nothing uh, you know a blind parent can't do that a sighted one does we just have to do it a little different absolutely and um also same to you i know you have two adult daughters uh that are now mothers of their own do you want to send out a mother's day shout out to them and any other mothers that you want to uh send a little message to i do to all the moms out there you know, happy Mother's Day. I hope you have a beautiful day. Hug your children, love them, and um, they will recognize you for the for the great person you are. There is a special mom in ACB, though, that uh, has really guided me along these teenage years with my son. So may I? Yes, please. Carlene Fiorello is was a blind is a blind mom of two boys, adult boys now. And I only have one son, so I'm used to girls. And girls and boys can be very different and very challenging. <laughs> yes, they can. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, I say gr girls are more the sneaky ones. And the, you know, they learn how to kind of bend the truth a little bit from the beginning. Boys are a little different. They're right out there in your face. <laughs> but I have learned so much from her on uh, not giving into the power struggles that a 17-year-old boy tries to um, put forth, but she, uh, Carlene Filarello and her husband, Richard, they're both blind and they raise two sighted children. And I, it, that poses all different challenges in itself, but she worked while she did it. 
She's got a beautiful home and now she has grandkids. And I just, I've learned so much from her. I just needed to say that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking a little bit of time to, to come celebrate Mother's Day with Sunday Edition. You know how much I love you. Hopefully you will be back on Sunday Edition very soon. Happy, I, happy, happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much. I'll come back anytime you ask me and you know how special I think you are. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Mr. Rick, um, I had invited Tamara. Tamara, are you here? Hi, I am here. Um, my name is Timber, actually. I am I'm in sorry. The, it's okay. I'm in the midst of a name change, so it's all right. <laughs> okay. You know, Gabriel actually did tell me that, um, and, mm -hmm. and I, I blanked. I apologize. Timber, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Do you want to, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your story? I, I will. So first, though, I'd like to thank you for inviting me here. And I'd also like to say that I really enjoyed the testimonials that were shared. They were sweet. And um, the interview was excellent. I actually read Access World and have recommended it to my clients. So that was full <laughs> circle for me. 100% appreciate that. Thank you. Rock on. Deborah is an amazing, amazing woman. So I'm so glad she was here. And I'm so glad you're highlighting that. But uh, yeah, tell us, you're, you're a single mom, yes? I am a single mom to one son who turned 11 a couple of weeks ago. Nice. He is, oh gosh, he is a joy. I, I like to say about my motherhood that uh, my child gives me a reason to smile and laugh every day. Nice. He's, he's bright very intelligent overachiever truly uh, doesn't give himself credit for enough of the amazing things that he does just like Deborah was saying about her grandson being at 10 I very much um, related to that as well but he also um, is cited and listening to some of the discussion that has been happening today you know I thought about what could I add to this conversation. And, and what I'll say um, about my story is that I've been a single mom from, from the beginning, from the start. And, um, you know, when you're a single mom, I feel, and, and a first time mom, that you for sure do grow with your child and, you know, growing with my child and, and watching him adapt to what my needs are. Honestly, it's well, if I want to see it, it is put it in my hand. Um, but then he, as he's gotten older, he's gotten more curious about what my vision is, how it works. Um, and that curiosity then has led him to how can I help? I see him sometimes struggle a bit. Um, honestly, I think he feels now at this age a little guilt that he has vision and that I do not but I can say I can say that all the things that we've been through the exposure that he's had you know watching my vision even transition um, during his life where I wasn't using a cane for you know several years until mommy needs her cane when she walks out the door every day till mommy has a guide dog now um, and also coming to ACB conventions and uh, him also having exposure to my job. I'm a rehabilitation therapist. 
is now I see his the wheels turning and he's more focused on accessibility and how he can make the world a more honestly equitable place uh, for me and and other people who are our vision impaired as well there are powerful things you know that that children that children can do honestly their minds are just as Deborah said like are amazed are amazing really and the lessons that he's able to share with his peers I think you know it's a life that truly sets him apart Um, he had a classmate who is actually vision impaired um, but before this information actually came to the surface it was my son's observations realizing how this child would look at things um, to notice that you know something's happening with his vision before it even came to the surface um, and I showed up for a parent teacher conference one day and and the teacher you know did tell me there is a child in this classroom who has a vision impairment and she told me how involved my son has been um, with him in that that really touched me actually it gave that's, me a that's gotta be an amazing <laughs> moment yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know, I, I've told this story on Sunday edition before, but um, I, I luckily have, I'm an uncle plus. Um, my sister, <laughs> unfortunately, was um, unlucky in love and unlucky with with the uh, parenting choice for the first two kids. Um, I, I now have a, a seven-year-old nephew who is amazing. Um, and so I, I got to play the, you know, the almost father role. My father and I kind of divvied up the responsibilities um for for my my niece and nephew the older ones um but you know i had sight back then now um my nephew doesn't know you know he was two when i lost my sight and i came down to virginia to visit them and and for the first time with my guide dog and all the kids on the block kind of congregate in my sister, you know, in my sister, on my sister's lawn. There was a slip and slide and big monster trucks and, you know, digging all up and holes and whatever. And, you know, and my sister would be like, oh, my God, don't go into the, the, the lawn. There's all kinds of holes. And if you get stuck. And but anyway, she's a nervous belly. <laughs> um, and but, but I was sitting there on the porch and he was playing with a bunch of his friends and they were asking him about voting my guide dog. And, you know, he was young. He was still about four at that point. And his interpretation was Bodie was there to help me, to help me find my glasses. <laughs> and it was, it, but then he's telling them, you know, when, when they're walking, you can't talk to him. You can't, you know, meaning they, Bodie they, the dog. The kids, the kids are so good with guide oh dog my, rules. <laughs> yes. They are so much better. I mean, I don't know how many times I'm, I'm out somewhere and I'll hear a parent go, oh, go say hello to the doggy. And yes, kids, and before no, I don't even a- have to say a thing, my son is on it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Yes. I, yes. So I can I can just imagine how your heart swelled up to hear that. Um, I hope you don't mind. Can you share a little with us about you know being a single mom from the very beginning and and how you may have had to adjust your parenting and and, and your own personal feelings about about how to parent because it was just you. Wow, absolutely. So, um, like, as I, well, I've been a single mom from the beginning. And um, a lot of that was by choice, um, protective, protective choices. Um, So I knew I was heading into this all alone. Um, I will say, though, I am vision impaired. 
but the majority of my family is too. We have congenital glaucoma and boy is it ever. <laughs> so I grew up amongst, you know, a family who had vision that was like my own. And we were doing things, you know, all the same ways for me. You know, and I'll I'll go ahead and, and I'll use this word. It 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 was a privilege. It was a privilege to be able to grow up in this type of family setting because my life was limitless. I wasn't told that there wasn't anything that I couldn't do at all. And I've had, I grew up with examples of how to be a vision impaired mom or parent from my own mother and my grandmother and, you know, my aunts. And so, you know, they were the teachers that I never doubted um, that I couldn't do it. But the difference was, thank you, (laughs) but the (laughs) the difference was navigating it alone um, as a single mom. I will never forget this one day I took my son to the dentist. He was three. And he, after, you know, when you're done with the dentist, they do like the the fluoride rinse and you can't eat for half an hour. Mm -hmm. But across the street from this medical building was Burger King Uh and my son still to this day has a thing for Burger King fries and he was very upset that we could not go across the street to go to Burger King and we're walking out of this building and he's you know him his three-year-old self and his toy his prize from the treasure chest was just full of you know little kid fury (laughs) 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 and we're walking out (laughs) and we're walking out the building yes (laughs) walking out the building and he's in front of me and you know I grab the door he runs out and I mean he ran and he ran far enough where he was out of my line of vision and I couldn't see him and there was another family coming into the building at the time and I'm not sure like what they're seeing or what they're thinking or what they're observing but I'm here with a cane and like my kid were darted off like it made me feel first concerned for my kid because why are you running secondly I'm not gonna lie I'm a little pissed off because now you're breaking the rules and we're outside of the, the door of this building and we're gonna you know walk to the bus stop or to the pharmacy wherever I was going and I don't you're you're not holding my hand but third I was also very conscious in that moment of all the eyes on you yes of the eyes on me but not only that being being a blind parent and feeling so limited in that moment because maybe he actually wasn't that far away and I couldn't see him and how much attention do I want to draw to myself or to my son or to the situation if I start you know calling like I calling for him I think about these things um but the family entered the building I stood there for a second uh you know cued up my super blind mom ears (laughs) (laughs) and walked to the direction that I heard him and uh I was pretty upset and he you know was upset too in his own toddler way but I grabbed his hand I didn't say a word and we walked to the bus stop and I set him down on a bench. We were early, actually. That was probably not the plan. But I set him on the bench. And I took a few deep breaths. And I had to talk to him. And 
And this was, for me, it was such a significant moment. It was, it was the talk. I'm, I'm also a mom of color. I'm a black mom. So we have different talks with our children. He's, I have a boy, you know? But yeah. this felt, for me, as significant as the talk because I'm also a blind mom. And I had to tell him at three years old, baby, listen, there are people in this world who believe that I should not be your mommy, that I am not good enough to be your mommy, that I am not able to take care of you. And I know that you have friends and you're going to preschool and you have cousins and, you know, God brother, and things might look different, you know, for them, but I have my rules for a reason because they help me keep you safe in the ways that, that I need to. It's more than you hurt my feelings because you ran away from me. It's that when that happened, I couldn't be your mom. And if the right person saw me struggling in that moment, not able to be your mom then you know it it can cause it can cause problems i don't want anybody to believe that they have the right to take you away from me because mommy's eyes don't work and that was as deep as the talk for me wow thank you so much for for sharing that with us i i I wonder you know, and, and this is coming from a very naive place. I'm, I'm five years into blindness and, and I'm learning something every day. And I'm, I, I've decided that it's, you know, it's, it's a blessing in, in a way, you know, it's opened me up to a portion of myself that I'm not sure I would be at this stage if this hadn't happened. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I could, you know, if the fairy godmother popped up in the bedroom tomorrow and said, you know, you want to go back and have this never happen? Oh, heck yeah, without a doubt. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I do embrace what's happening. Um, so naively asking, and, and if this was never a moment, then God bless. But knowing, you know, that your son was was fully sighted, was there ever a moment where you said, wow, you know, I, I don't know how to bridge that gap between, you know, I have a visual impairment and he's fully sighted. Um, I would have to say, no, not exactly for me, um, knowing that I was raising a child that would be fully sighted and in full disclosure, um, genetically, he had a 50, 50 chance of of developing my congenital condition. My OB was a lot more concerned about my child's eyes than I was. My answer from the beginning was, if my child has a vision impairment, there is no better parent in the world for him than me. And if he doesn't, then, well, then he doesn't. And I'll get to live vicariously and, and see, you know, an angle of childhood that I did not you know, get to experience and not to say that my childhood wasn't fulfilling. It absolutely was, but I was never a sighted child. You know, my sisters weren't sighted. <laughs> it was, you know, I've, I've not seen this. Um, so I was comfortable and, and content uh, either way, but I'll, I'll share an experience Please. of the, of the opposite. Um, I, 
from the beginning got very involved in um, school with my child because if you can't beat them, join them. And I'm going to join them and beat everyone, you know, to the assumptions. And so I would volunteer myself to show up for school events. You know, I've been class mom, volunteered myself, you know, would chaperone field trips and, and all sorts of things. And uh, his school every year would have fun day. So the kids would literally fundraise all year long to be able to have a free for all day. They turn the school into a mini like carnival amusement park, you know. And I, I like that. <laughs> yes, it was. It's really cool. <laughs> and I volunteer. You know, he was in, my son was in kindergarten at this time and, you know, it was okay. The, the kids that I was paired with, it was, it was all right. They were understanding, but it was actually a moment that happened at the end of the day that threw me. And we, we were sitting in the classroom and we were eating popsicles and the kids were on the carpet and um, smart boards. They had a computer that it's called an iRover. If anyone's familiar with that, it's a huge computer but it's like a flat screen and you can touch it. And yeah. the teacher was playing, she put a program on the iRover and apparently what was happening, she explained to me what was happening was that they were spelling words or reading words. It was sight words. And one letter would appear on the screen at a time. And, you know, the first child who could guess or read the word would stand up and speak it out loud. And I was watching this happen and saying to myself, Oh my goodness. If I was in kindergarten at this time with my eyes, I would not be able to do this. And if I had a vision impaired child, how do I make this activity, this eye rover accessible? What is fair? You know, like as, as much advancements as we've had in technology, which are great, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. They There's can still be very helpful. Desired. It yeah. is, you know, yeah. and 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 I didn't know. I I literally had that moment. If my child was vision impaired and in this kindergarten class, what would I do? <laughs> so, it was more that for me than. than so I have, I have a few more questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm gonna ask a hard one, and and again, okay. feel free, you know, to tell me <laughs> not today or or, um. You, you mentioned the talk a few minutes ago and, yeah. you know, your, your son is, is coming into the age where I'm sure you're going to have to have that, the talk. We're going to have more of the talk coming up. Yes. We'll, we'll have more because you're getting older and taller and bigger. You know, that's, that's part of our um, reality. It is. It is. Can you just share with us a, a little bit about, your mental preparation, especially the last year that, that we've all seen. And God bless, you know, the verdict that just came down. And hopefully that is a, a signifier that things are really going to start to get better. But what it, what kind of process do you have inside you knowing that you're going to have to have that talk very soon? You know, I mean, what is the process? What is the preparation like, I can't, I can't, I can't just the preparation is the responsibility of knowing that if I don't, I could lose, you know, my son, that I have to part of my mothering to prepare him for the world 
is to let him know that there are people who despise you and your life for the for your appearance for simply the color of your skin can bring up certain assumptions or or connotations for others without them even understanding who you are they won't look at you and know that you've earned the honor roll every marking period since first grade and they won't know that you taught yourself how to play the piano and they won't know you know all of the achievements that you had or or or, you know what your sweet smiles look like they'll look at you and they'll be afraid and that's just there's no way around it that's that's a tough pill to swallow for anyone at any time but having the talk raising his awareness um giving him the tools and and the strategies that he needs to not only keep himself safe but to be able to be um, a positive example influence um, in his community or to educate others and most of all most importantly to have openness love and acceptance for everyone I mean that's precedence really because because I want my son to live and because it would break my heart to truly know that someone could just could look at him and feel fear or think anything opposite of all of the wonderful things that I know that he is and I'm not simply saying that because I am his mom you know these are these are literally some of the things that that I tell him thank you very much for for being open and honest and you know the rawness of 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 what it is and and I wish I I wish that by the time you have to have the talk there's no reason to have the talk although I know that it unfortunately that's you know Mm -hmm. that's a pie in the sky dream at the moment it is it is we have had the talk and then we are going to have more of a talk you know now that he he's older he's you know getting bigger he's becoming more independent and he's riding his bike around town and he's places where I am not and you know so the the talk transforms (laughs) as you grow so (laughs) now I'll throw a fun one at you is Mm -hmm. he the absolute best audio description tool um friend to have along oh my goodness is he ever so he he prefers to watch something's audio description he says it gives him more information but if something is not audio described and we're watching he will just kind of fall right into it um naturally and even when we're out in the world um you know he's my big boy now and I recently sent him back to school in person I think he's gone for two three weeks you know actually back in school so he's riding his bike to school and he's very grown up but I used to walk him to school in the morning and then head off to work and one day I'll never forget we were walking to school and the sun was shining but it recently rained before we had headed out and we stopped he stopped me he said mom 
I want to tell you what something looks like. And I'm like, okay, I guess. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> we have to go. <laughs> he said, he said, the bushes, they're sparkling because of the raindrops. They look like oh. crystals on the bush and they're sparkling in the sun. And I was like, oh, that is so beautiful. Thank you for telling me that. I would not be able to see that, you know? So it's like, it's moments like that where, you know, like I said, as he's getting older, I think he feels a little bit guilty that he has sight. But then I'm like, Adonis, that's his name. Adonis, what you're giving me, though, is a gift because you're sharing with me information that the world might just pass over or assume that I might not want. But you took a moment to make me stop and to tell me that this bush is wet and the drops look like crystals shining in the sun. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing yeah. that with us. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to twist the question that I've asked the other moms so what? far. Um, if you could what? speak to new single moms out there, what would you, what would you like to impart to them? Mm, this is a good question, actually, because some of my clients that I have had are um, young single moms. And I also have had a client in particular who young newly married and told me that she was afraid to become a mom because of her blindness and so I'll share a little bit of what I spoke to her and, and I told her you know don't be afraid don't be afraid to be a mom in the way that you need to be because it's your baby and your baby is going to know nothing but you the way that you touch your baby is going to feel natural to that baby because it's you the things that you know you'll you'll need or require to provide the best care for that baby are going to feel like exactly the best kind of care that your baby needs because you are mommy and it's not about what it looks like from the outside or how your sister might do it or your mom might do it or your grandma might do it that's your child you know and if there's nothing like a mother's love, there's nothing like a mother's care. We naturally, as you know, moms, as women with vision loss, vision impairment, navigate the world differently as it is. Parenting follows suit, you know. Just you will, I told her that you'll be afraid. You'll have some days when, you know, you think that you're doing it all wrong. Um, those are to be expected. But then you'll have other days when you are momming it up in your very own best blind way and you are getting the job done and you'll look back and you say, wow, I really did my thing today. And those are the moments that, that you hold on to and know that it doesn't matter how it gets done. I say the tool for the job is the tool for the job. You know, you have everything within you already. Trust it. That's awesome. So before we say um, goodbye for the moment, um, do you want to tell us a little about Timber and, and the name change? Um, certainly. So um, Timber is a name that I chose for myself. I like it because it is androgynous, but also because, um, you know, we grow Timber in nature and, and timber is strong. It, it takes many years, you know, you, you just can't, right. 
timber just yeah. doesn't come from anywhere. Timber, timber takes time and investment and trees are strong and timber is vital and is often the foundation for many of the structures we live in and, and survive on. And the symbolism for that um, really speaks to me. And also because I'm a person I've been through <laughs> some tough and traumatic things in my life. And I feel that there are some people who need to reclaim themselves, who, who need to, you know, say, who do a little more than say, I'm turning over a new leaf. And that's, that's where, where I'm at um, with the name change. Well, all I, God, with, with such reverence, thank you so much for, for sharing your story with Sunday edition and, and by, you know, extension, all of ACB and, and those who may not be ACB members yet, but are listening to Sunday edition. Um, I really hope that uh, we see you around a little more often. Your uh, your energy and your light <laughs> is definitely something that ACB needs. And, uh, you Absolutely. know, plug, 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 come on back to the BPI board. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Would you like me back on the BPI board? Oh yeah, and I know yeah. that I heard Gabriel sneak in a few minutes ago. Gabriel, do you echo those sentiments? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, do. I'm, I do. I do. I do. You I'm girl, open. you and, and I thank have you a so much. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. relationship. Here. I know. You know how much yes. I love and admire you. Thank all you. right, I'm going to give you the opportunity. I give all the moms today any uh, special shout outs that you want to send. She's not listening, <laughs> but um, well, you can send her the podcast feed just moments after Sunday edition ends. You know what? I, I, <laughs> I can, I can, I can, and I will. Um, I'm gonna give a shout out to my own mother. Um, we have had some tricky, interesting things that we've navigated through in life and especially in the last couple of years. But as I've been building a career in rehabilitation, which um, will be transitioning for me soon and, you know, within my personal endeavors, I, I'm, I'm actually building a business, a consulting business, where part of what I'll be doing is working with um, parents who or caregivers who are blind and vision impaired, giving them not only the skills, the hands-on skills on, you know, how to provide um, safety and, and um, child care, first aid from the perspective of a person who is blind or vision impaired, but also like some of the confidence too. And, you know, the more I think about it, I can never ignore that my mother was the first person to show me, the first mother to show me that I can be a mother, that when it came time for me, my turn to be a mom, that I, I didn't have a doubt in my body at all that I could do this. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we've been through. I will eternally be grateful for that. Well, Timber Mama, we are grateful <laughs> that you raised such an amazing, amazing person. Thank you for coming to Sunday Edition, and please come back and let's talk about your business um, in the coming weeks. Thank we, you. Thank you. We'll thank that. you. Thank you so much All for having me today. You're absolutely welcome. 
All right, I have one more um, or two more really special guests and then we will open up for some callers. Uh, Mr. Ron Brooks, unmute yourself and say hello. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are sitting in the world. Um, I'm Ron Brooks sitting in Phoenix and I wanted to, before I say anything, I just wanna acknowledge the stories and the people that we've heard so far. Um, I, I know Deborah a little, um, I know Karen a little, and I had not, have, have not had the pleasure of meeting Timber, but you all have such amazing stories um, and such amazing insights. And um, I, I just really wanna acknowledge you uh, individually and, uh, and also just thank you, Anthony, for uh, you know, allowing us to be part of your celebration of moms. Thanks. I wanted to. I wanted to highlight a spectrum of moms, and and I'm so thankful that you know I had the opportunity to to that I have the opportunity every Sunday to come into everybody's home and 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 uh, expound upon what I think is important. <laughs> and who am I to say? But um, you're going to highlight a really special mom for us right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I would like to do that. And, and um, she is on, uh, my wife, Lisa. She is, we're actually at opposite ends of our house so that we don't have interference with our devices. Yeah. But I will tell you that when Deborah was talking, I could hear her laughing through several closed doors yes. uh, because we are going through so much of what Deborah was describing. But I, I, I want to just, yeah, you know, I was thinking you had asked and, and invited me to, to share uh, about Lisa. And I, I was trying to come up with something really, really clever. And so I, I turned to um, what my friend refers to as, as Uncle Google, and, um, and I found a quote that really, to me, resonates, and I'll share just a minute why. The, the, the lady who is, owns this quote is named Teneva Jordan, and to the best of my abilities, uh, I, don't, I couldn't find anything that she's done significantly except say amazing things that are very quotable. And when referring to a mother, this is, this is her statement. A mother is a person who seeing that there are four pieces of pie for five people promptly announces that she never cared much for pie. And, mm. and, and I share this because this statement to me in, in so many ways reflects on who Lisa is um, as a person um, and as a mother. And it's, it's not that she is a person who doesn't like pie, because she does. She also likes chocolate. Um, and um, she likes Dr. Pepper and all sorts of things, but she is a person who, um, from the time that I met her um, until today, and I assume going forward, is a person um, who is a giver um, at, at every level, and um, she, she is the person who, even recognizing her own, you know, passions, interests, desires, um, gives first and takes last, and when I think about when we got married, uh, we were in, uh, she's a California girl. We got married. I dragged her to Florida. Um, I'm from Indiana. So it's like we moved all over, but we went to Florida. She came along with me for my career. We've moved across the country. Uh, we've made all sorts of changes. Um, and she's been supportive all the way through that. And, and, and then, you know, the came and then along came kids and, um, it's a whole different level of giving. And I know that the moms all understand that. And, it, you know, it, Lisa has the gift of giving whatever it is. And, you know, that when there's, you know, and I mean, I joke, but cookies, you know, there's a cookie left and, and 
if, if she's one of the people that wants it and there's somebody else that wants it, she always gives. And I'm not, I'll, I'll sneak it and hide it somewhere and pretend that there aren't any so I can have mine. But, you know, that is, you know, her gift is to give. And, and she's given uh, in so many ways to all of us in our family. Um, and, you know, she continues to, to be that person. And um, I, I don't know, there's so many things I could say. I, I could talk about um, her, her talent as a mom. I could talk about the way that she empathizes with our kids. Um, I could talk about you know, many, many things, but I'll, I'll stop there. And I will say that we have teenagers now. Um, and, you know, Deborah made the comment that, that the babies are the easy ones and that comment resonates. Um, the challenges are different. Sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they're funny. They're usually funny because they're so hard, you end up just laughing because there's really nothing else to do. Um, and yet I see in our kids through all of the challenges that teenage brings, I see the future uh, that they will turn into successful people, kind mm -hmm. people, caring people. And that is because of the gifts that she gives. So that's well, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to Lisa in just a moment. But I'm wondering if I could put you on the spot for one more second. Mm -hmm. um, you guys have a, a beautiful relationship. We see it on social media. We see it every week at karaoke. And it just mm -hmm. glimpses. We couldn't possibly know what it's like to be Lisa and Ron Brooks. But um, I remember asking my dad this question. Um, and, and I remember his answer. So I, I'd like to ask you, your love for Lisa how did it change, evolve, grow once you saw Lisa as, as an amazing mom? That's a really good question. Um, I would say that watching her as a mom and seeing the way that she puts other people first um, made our relationship better because it, it, made, it called me to a higher level because I'm not I mean, I think I'm a pretty giving person, but it's not, it, I, you know, we don't see what we do. It's easier to see sometimes what other people do and seeing how she um, tends to put everybody first um, and tends to, to eat last, if you will, um, really called me to a higher level of giving. And that benefited our relationship because it made me less selfish. Um, it made me less, um, uh, needy because, because I saw that, that, you know, by her waiting to be last, sometimes there, there was, there always is enough, you know, it, in the end. And when you don't operate from a position of scarcity, where you assume that you have to get yours because someone else will, if you don't, and you become more giving, it's, it's actually easier to relax and just be okay. And I think seeing her as a person who gives um, helped me to become more like that. Um, and it helped me to be more relaxed. And obviously that, that made me an easier person to deal with for her. So I think it benefited our relationship and made it that much better. Wow. Well, Lisa, step right up. Um, I do don't you know if any... I can talk after all that. That was really very generous. And I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure what to say now. <laughs> Well, let me say happy Mother's Day and let me just 
tell everybody out there, if you have not experienced karaoke on uh, Saturday nights, <laughs> you really need to. These two are amazing. Um, I'm there every couple of weeks, um, but these two are there faithfully every week, and it, they're amazing. Lisa, um, tell us tell us what the transition has been like from toddler to now teens and how how does your heart change and how does it grow as as they grow <laughs> um first happy mother's day to everybody and i think that i've always felt um since having kids that they things change you know they grow things are different they need different things at different stages um, but I don't think I realized how different teenage land would be. Um, and I thought I was patient. <laughs> um, I thought that, um, I could, you know, it's, it's just different. Um, because you're it's a different type of relationship in in some ways you know when you have more control when they're babies um you have a lot more say um and when they're babies they forget that yesterday might have been a bad day and they don't really hold grudges and then yeah. when they become teenagers then it's it's a lot different there's the there, um there's it's it it becomes kind of a different relationship in terms of um you know you see everybody's a cube and everybody has different sides to them and you start seeing more of um their different sides and some aren't so pretty um but I don't have pretty sides either I'm not a you know 100% great happy person all the time either so it's it's a really kind of a different relationship and and I think somebody I don't remember who once said that you know people can teenagers can be themselves at home so sometimes if they're grumpy or angry or maybe they say things that you know that they probably wouldn't ever say to somebody else maybe that means that they're more comfortable at home kind of letting that cube side out and so sometimes it's uh it's just different it's a different relationship and, and um, they're growing and they're learning how to navigate in and in the parental child relationship. It carries over into how they're going to relate with their friends and how they're going to relate with their peers and their coworkers. And so, you know, it's, it's just a different dynamic. Um, and, it, and it has good points too. I don't want to just, you know, it, it's hard when you're in the moment, but um, you know, you get to see how their opinions change and how they grow and how they they're, they view the world in a different way than they viewed it, you know, five years ago. And the things that they like and the things that they don't like, those are, those are always there. So, so, it's, so it's different, um, still rewarding and still challenging. I'm sure listening to Deborah and Karen earlier, you know, both that have adult children that are now parents of their own, you know, you're at that stage where they're, you know, you're in your final stretch, so to speak, you know, with yours. 
um, there's there's gonna come that point where you guys hit the empty nest syndrome, and then eventually, you know, you'll be grandparents. What um, what inside yourself, you know, as as this starts to come about, you know, what has changed being a mother, and then what do you think, you know, as they do leave and 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 embark on their own lives, you know, what will you carry having been the mom through the rest of your life? Um, I think I will carry the fact that just like in any relationship, you, everybody leaves little bits of themselves and little parts. And I'm hoping that um, through all of the sometimes conflicts, sometimes, um, you know, who's going to be in charge and control and rules and this and that, that um they as as you do when you're older you know that they'll remember the good parts that um that they'll take away the beautiful people that they are and um you know maybe add some of the things that we were able to give them as their parents and hopefully that you know will carry them through whatever they have to go through in their own lives you know whether it's as parents or um, as, as adult people. And I think as far as for me personally, um, I think growing and learning, um, you know, and I, and I appreciate the fact that I've had the privilege to see them grow and to see them learn and to learn from them, you know, um, because I, you know, you learn so much about yourself when you are the caregiver of um, whether it's a child or um, a, a person that you're helping or whatever, you know, you learn more about yourself than you ever thought you could. And you do things that you didn't think you could um, yeah. in terms of, you know, learning about your own strengths. And, and I appreciate them for, for I might not really would have wanted to learn all that patience. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the ways that you had to learn them right yes. but, but I appreciate the journey of, of of the whole the whole experience it's definitely um the hardest job because it it it's um you know it you don't go on vacation as a parent <laughs> so um but it's definitely definitely rewarding and I hope that they 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 also are learning <clears throat> as we're going through it all so I'm a sneaky little show host. I'm going to switch things up for you from the other moms that we've spoken to today. Um, what do you, as a mom on this Mother's Day, want to see first to Ron, your, your incredible partner, and then to your kids? You know, what, what does this Mother's Day mean for you in terms of being their mom and being Ron's amazing, amazing wife? Uh, Ron is awesome. I don't know <laughs> how um, it's always been a partnership and that's never changed even in uh, even in parenthood. So um, in, in so many ways, little and big from uh, he actually caught Amanda when she was born. Um, we did home birth and he actually caught her um, when she was nice. born. And so, you know, um, I, I think I always knew that I could count on him. 
and that hasn't changed. So um, he's just an amazing dad and a partner. And um, I, I, could you repeat what your last question was? I'm sorry. To, to your kids, you know, on this Mother's Day, what does it mean to you to be their mom and, and what have, you know, what's, what's changed your life about being their mom? Um, just to be able to know them as people. They are wonderful people. Um, they have strengths. Um, I, I feel like I've been privileged to be a part of their life. And if um, I hope that I've been able to to you know do some good and as far as in the raising goes um and it's just wonderful to be able to 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 get to know them and um i hope that they um take the things that we've tried to teach them in their life journey and that it you know benefits them and i'm just really really happy um that I've had the chance to, you know, really get to know them. And I think, you know, COVID has forced us all to be home more last year. Yeah. And um, I think that's been really, really fun because, you know, teenagers, they're usually wanting to be anywhere but home. As far as, um, yes. most part. And so, <laughs> so in some ways that's kind of curtailed it. So, so, you know, I appreciate the time that COVID has kind of forced upon, upon us this past year. Um, in terms of being able to spend more time with them, you know, even if it's doing something silly like cooking dinner or um, playing board games and things like that, it's just been fun to kind of have those moments because I know that, you know, their parenthood is funny because in some some when you're in some moments, it seems like it's lasting forever, and then the next day you turn around and you're like, wow, how did you get to be six foot, you know, or you know, how did you get to be so a grown-up so it's, it's kind of funny things go by so fast so hopefully that answers your question instead of curiosity how many of them are driving uh we have, <laughs> we, have <laughs> we have two drivers in the house and we have one who is in the process of getting her permit so <laughs> uh, and we we have one going off to college in the fall um going away or or commuter um she'll be going away it's she's it's an in-state school so she'll be about three hours away so it's just far enough that she can have some autonomy but we can't just sort of pop in anytime we want quite exactly so I think she'll enjoy that part um so yeah and then the other two um uh, my we will have a senior in high school next year so wow. yeah we're in that phase does it seem you know I, I've often heard that it seems like a hundred years and just one year you know, when you're standing at that that graduation or or getting that learner's permit or that, you know, the moments, it, it, sometimes, you know, when you look at it, it's like a hundred years and just one year. How did it all happen? And, and how does that, you know, how does that compute for you? It's weird because I don't feel any different. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, I mean, I know I've learned and I've changed and I've grown, but I still feel like the same person. But, but it is true because when you're in the moment, you know, when you're when they're babies and you're sleep deprived and, um, you know, it seems like it's lasting forever. And then all of a sudden, you know, now we have teenagers and, and so it's, it's kind of a funny conundrum that, you know, when you're in the moment and you think of it as that moment, that moment seems to stretch forever. 
But then when you kind of combine them into a chain of one big long moment, then you look back and you go, wow, how did we get here already? So um, it's kind of a funny thing. And I guess it's just a good reminder to, even though those moments seem long, to, to make those moments count. And, and you know, and, and try and, um, you know, we're in teenage land. And so we're trying to approach some of it with, with a bit of humor. And, um, you know, I always tell my stepdad now that, you know, he gets smarter and smarter as the years go by. And I'm thinking that maybe someday my kids might feel the same way about me. Um, that the older <laughs> they get, the smarter I become. So hopefully it'll kind of make a nice little circle. <laughs> wow. Well, Lisa, happy, happy Mother's Day. I know you and Ron just embarked on a new journey together. So promise me that you also, you and Ron will come back to Sunday edition in the next couple of weeks and tell us about what's going on with you guys personally and um, business-wise. We would love to. Thank you for having us. Um, happy Mother's Day to all the moms um, out there and uh, enjoy your families. Ron, thank you for that beautiful testimonial and uh, we will talk soon. All right. Thank I'm going to take point of privilege as show host. Gabriel, unmute yourself. You can give the first testimonial. And if you're here waiting, please raise your hand so Rick can acknowledge and Tell us about the amazing moms in your life. Gabriel, you're up first. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for giving me. I won't take long because I know many people, uh, many ACB members have heard my story uh, as a whole, um, specifically um, when it comes to my visual impairment and how my mother has played such a fundamental, both my parents, but especially my mother, um, I, 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 Ron's testimony echoed so much with me because that's my mom. My mom, uh, will be the person who says she's not hungry. She's an amazing chef, <laughs> but, uh, she'll say that she's she not is. hungry or she doesn't care for whatever she's cooking or that she, you know, her appetite got interrupted after all the testing and trying. But that's not true. That's just her leaving herself for last and uh, making sure that everyone eats abundantly. <laughs> um, most importantly, I think I'm an only child and um, my mom devoted herself to me. And, uh, and when I was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa at the age of nine, um, Wow, she suffered so much. And um, this is something that I've never shared, uh, but I was thinking of that, of, of this, this morning, earlier today, how um, sometimes I would hear her pray and, um, and cry. And I would tell her, mom, why are you crying? And uh, she would tell me that she was praying. And I said, why do you have to cry when you pray? And she was telling me because I am praying with all my heart that God will give me that RP and cure your eyes because I've lived my life already. You still have a life ahead. And to me, that was so symbolic and so moving that I used to argue with her. And I was like, no, mom, I need you to have your side. And I said, no, if, if you have your side, I, you won't need me. 
Um, so it was always a, a, a dilemma and it always made us both cry. But um, I think when she was really put to the test and I've, and I've expressed it in, in many, many um, ACB forums or ACB conversations that I've been invited to or that I've been honored to, to be a part of um, was when I decided to go into law school. Um, everyone was scared uh, everyone was very, very skeptical about me going into law school with my limited eyesight. And they said uh, they no one wanted to tell me anything and no one wanted to discourage me. But they their main concern, everyone was like, oh, but there's so much reading involved. And like I've mentioned many times, like I said, in many ACB um, environments, um, there was no special accommodations, especially, you know, given that I was in a public university because there was the only university that offered law degree in Honduras. And uh, my, my mom said, you're going to do this. If this is what calls to your heart and you want to be a lawyer, I'll help you be a lawyer. And I said, mom, there, there's no way you can help me except I, I need reading. And we deciphered this mechanism where she would record all my books, all my codes, everything. And uh, not only that, but she would drive me to college and pick me up at college uh, back there where they were. Just no so people phones. understand that was hundreds of hours of reading. Yes. Law and oh codes God, yes. and, and, Law and, and codes. putting it, it on hours, tape for you. Yeah. Hours and hours and hours. And it was so funny because I'm going to share another thing that I've never shared. <laughs> I'm going to share funny moments like when um, my mom would tell everyone in the house, I'm going to be recording for Gabriel for the next two hours. Please don't interrupt. And um, all of a sudden, the phone would ring. <laughs> <laughs> and before she hit stop or pause on the recording, she would curse. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been fun when you were studying a little moment yeah. of levity yes i i i i did i obviously i'm not gonna repeat but she would really curse she was so pissed off <laughs> because then it, it took her you know it took her time to go back and figure out where she was reading and and, yeah. and then go back um another time <laughs> another funny story was when she instead of hitting it was a blank new tape uh, so instead of hitting record she hit play and she was reading for about two hours until oh, she realized no. that she had that she was not recording a single thing and i had a oh. test coming up and you know she would stay up until the wee hours of the night or she would wake up early morning and all i knew was that when i needed the book and the record and the recorder with the cassette was already on top of my desk. Um, so Gabriel, guess, talk to your mom directly. Wish her a happy Mother's Day through Sunday edition. <laughs> well, especially knowing that uh, she will be here soon uh, yeah. visiting with us. I want to tell my mom how much I love her, um, how much her dedication and her devotion to being a mother um, has been I I've always told people that um, that human beings and especially women have so many hats to play in their life but mom 
I know your most important hat and the one that you have prioritized always has been your mother hat. Um, you have been just the best and a blessing in my life. And, um, and we've been best friends for so long. And, um, and I do want to tell her something which she refuses to understand and, and believe. Mom, it's time for me to take care of you. So let oh, me, God, yes. Yes. let <laughs> me do a little bit, even if I would dedicate my entire life <laughs> for the next 20 years, I wouldn't repay back not even a hundredth of what you have given to me and what you have made of me. So I love my mom. And I thank God for giving me the best and most dedicated mother that I would have ever hoped for. That is absolutely beautiful. Gabriel, thank you so much for sharing. Mr. Rick, so unfortunately, we have a time constraint to go over the air on ACB Radio Mainstream, but I will keep this stream going and keep it recording so that I can create a second, a separate document for the rest of the testimonials. I know there are some people that are waiting. Rick, while we are still on air, do you want to shout out to any mothers in your life? Well, my mom passed this year. Um so, you know, that was a, uh, a tough moment. Sorry. No, it, it's okay. It was a tough moment for all of us. And my mother-in-law passed too. And normally mm. on um, uh, Mother's Day, uh, the, the big tradition was my mother-in-law really liked barbecued ribs. Mm. And uh, every year we'd make her barbecued ribs. And that was the big, uh, you know, the, the big tradition at home. Didn't make them this year, although I, we made barbecued ribs a week ago for my wife. So, but, uh, but yeah, um, it, you know, so much of uh, what I've become uh, was a result of my mom and, uh, you know, just love her very, very much and miss her very, very much. You know, let's take a quick moment of silence. Um, over 600,000 Americans. That's a lot of moms out there. Um, this is the first year that a lot of people will not be able to put their hands, put their arms around. So a moment of silence for all the moms that we lost this year. All right, this is Sunday edition and I will be back next week with an exciting show. Those of you who have your hands up for testimonials, we're gonna keep going after we get off air. Rick. Thank you so much for jumping in for Byron this week. Byron uh, has had an amazing vacation. He'll be back with me next week. And um, thank you, everybody. Holly, Deborah, uh, Timber, <laughs> Ron and Lisa. Um, yeah, who am I forgetting? Karen, everybody who joined me today. Sheila, um, we'll keep going as soon as we air these ending credits. Go ahead, Rick. Take it away. You've been listening to... Sunday edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday 